0: Amen. Y'all let all these people know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship, and so blessed to have them. A lot of energy that they put into those three services, and I appreciate each one of them. Well, you got a Bible with you. James chapter 1 this morning. Starting a brand new series entitled 24 Carat Faith. 24 Carat Faith. Now, as you're opening up your Bibles to James chapter 1, see if you can kind of fill in the blank on this. You all have heard this saying before, I'm sure, so you put the last word in. Uh, Everything that glitters is not, yeah, that was like seven of you, all right? Let's get everybody on the same page. I'm preaching now, all right? So everything that glitters is not gold, exactly, right? You know, counterfeits are all over our society, uh, from cell phones all the way to pocketbooks. You can find a knockoff brand. In fact, over in China, uh, there's a group of people and actually a company named Xiaomi, and Xiaomi company is actually a... Counterfeit copy of the Apple company. In fact, the guy who actually comes out and uh, introduces all the new items uh, dresses just like Steve Jobs used to dress. He wears a black t shirt and uh, blue jeans, and he comes out, and people are like, Aren't you copying Apple? And they're like, No, where are you coming off with of that? They're copying Apple. You listening? So they're counterfeit. And then I also learned one Christmas that uh, there are pocketbooks out there that are not legit. Uh, my wife opened up a gift and uh, it was a coach bag, which apparently those are supposed to be nice. All right? So she had a coach bag and then she also uh, pulled out uh, of another one this um, wallet right here, which was made by Louis Vuitton. All right? I've been practicing on saying that. Y'all with me, Louis Vuitton? And then uh, we were like, you know, where'd you get this? And then uh, her dad said, well, we went on a trip to New York. And there was a guy selling them things, man, we got a great deal, I said, because it's fake, all right, listen, if it's in the back of somebody's car, it probably ain't real, all right, but it's pretty interesting, got all kinds of fake stuff hanging out in the world today, and you know, 1848 and 1849, there were a bunch of people who traveled over to California because there was a, gr- a gold rush, in fact, there was a word that became real common whenever you found gold, it was Eureka, it literally meant we found it, So check this out, there were 70,000 people who traveled on foot to get to California once the gold was discovered. There were 40,000 who traveled by sea to go and see if they also could find some gold. But what was interesting is that you not only had gold there, but you also had what we know now to be fool's gold. Iron pyrite. Looks just like the real thing, but it is not legit. Could you imagine the guy who runs across a riverbed or a creek and underneath that Water, he sees all the shining gold, gets real excited, his heart's palpitating He jumps in and, you know, doesn't tell anybody what he's found But he's getting as much as he possibly can Piles up the wagons, goes in to one of those cash for gold places, you know with me And uh, wants to get some money for it They take it, they look at it, they inspect it, they come back and say, this isn't real Could you imagine how your heart would immediately sink? Why don't you think about this? you know it's one thing to carry a wagon load of iron pyrite to a cash for gold place and find out it's not legit but it's a whole another story to stand before Jesus one day and find out that your faith wasn't legit you know Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 there'll be many who call me Lord Lord who will not inherit the kingdom of God but Jesus also preaching that particular sermon says uh, there were going to be people who say Lord we we prophesied in your name. Uh, Lord, we uh, cast out demons in your name. Uh, Lord, no, we perform miracles in your name. But then the Lord says, But I'm going to have to say to you, Depart from me, for I never knew you. And so here it is again. That means that there are some people who believe that they have 24 karat faith. But in fact, it is not the real deal. It's pretty amazing that being said, as you open up the book of James, it's actually a letter written to individuals so that listen to this, they can discover whether or not their faith is genuine. Now whenever you open up a new book in the Bible and you want to study it, it is always helpful to find out some context, maybe who's writing that particular book and the time frame in which it's being written and the audience to which it is actually being written to. And then you also want to know well, what is the purpose of the book. And so in uh, studying that this past week, all the historical context, I ran across a great statement that really does kind of highlight the purpose of the book of John, or James Jones. Y'all with me? Y'all know that book? But anyway, so uh, third time, man. But anyway, so uh, but this is Charles Stanley. Listen to what he says about this book. He says, uh, genuine faith must work. It must produce and it must make itself uh, visible. Verbal faith is not enough. Mental faith is insufficient. Genuine faith inspires and empowers godly actions. Now I want you to think about that for a moment, right? And you and I, especially if you grew up in church, you you know the statement in the book of James that most people quote. uh, See if you can quote it with me. Uh, Faith without works is dead, right? And check this out. Dead faith cannot save you. And so James now is trying to elevate what is genuine faith and also elevate what is counterfeit faith now if you think about the author of the book, I bet you can't guess who it is can y'all know who wrote James? Jones I'm just kidding, but anyway James did James wrote the book of James now there are four Jameses in the New Testament this James happens to be the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ now in John chapter 7 and verse 5 we discover together that the brothers of Jesus did not believe in him so Jesus is out there doing the ministry, he's preaching, he's performing miracles and people would come up to James and be like, James Do you think Jesus is the Messiah? Do you think your brother's the Messiah? No. I mean, I grew up with him. He's my brother. I mean, I think he's got some pretty good talents. And guess what? He's not the Messiah. Let's let's not go overboard with this. Well, then Jesus went to a cross. There on the cross he died, was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days. And then after that, he got up from the dead. And guess who the resurrected Jesus ran into? James. And so James now, who did not believe in Jesus sees Jesus up from the dead and he's like I believe now. You you have convinced me are you with me? And as a result he was radically changed and became a phenomenal leader in the Jerusalem church. Now what's interesting is that uh, he's writing to the 12 tribes that have been scattered these are individuals who are being persecuted for their faith and now he wants to send a letter out there to encourage them to really identify with those who have genuine faith. Now, a little context here. Now, the New Testament church was actually seen as a revolution. Uh, the New Testament church in the early days was seen as a rebellion against the normal order of society. But, but who can blame them? G.K. Chesterton notes their leader Jesus was born in the secrecy of a cave. And the Christian church seems to be have born out of the catacomb. So here we have the Christian church, which was seen as a great rebellion. And they even said of these people, they are turning the world upside down. And the reason they said this is because they were going against the normalcy of culture and living all for Jesus. And as a result, persecution was on the rise. You and I are watching the news. We're reading the newspapers, and we see what's happening in the Middle East today. And so you can see pictures, and you've probably seen them this past week, of Individuals who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus over in Iraq They are running literally to the mountains to try to free themselves from the great persecution that they are undergoing all because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and so you see the pictures of them all there huddled together and America thankfully has come in and sought to give some uh, assistance to them dropping off some uh, needed food, needed provisions, but if you can kind of just for a moment picture these individuals running from persecution being put out of the places where they live that would be a snapshot into who James is writing to in this particular letter these are individuals facing great persecution in fact one commentator notes it this way he says the Jewish Christians were experiencing confusion fear, sorrow, injustice, loneliness, poverty, sickness they were losing their homes they were losing their jobs and many of them were losing their family members all for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ so now James is writing them a letter to show them and to teach them how to face these great trials in their life so James chapter 1 beginning in verse 1 you've got it in front of you say yes let's go ahead and stand up and read this in honor of God's word listen to what James says James 1 and 1 James, a bondservant of God And of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who were dispersed abroad greetings Verse 2 consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach And it'll be given to him but he must ask in faith without any doubting for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for that man ought not to expect that he would receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man unstable in all of his ways but the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flower and grass he will pass away for the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass And as flowers fall off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you so much for this great letter. And we ask now that by the power of the Holy Spirit you would uh, speak to every single person's heart here today. And God, for those who have genuine faith, encourage them greatly that you are with them in the midst of the trial. And for those who have fool's gold faith God make that so apparent make it plain to them open their eyes to their desperate need of you as their Savior and then draw people to salvation this morning and God will give you glory for how you work me with your spirit and use me as you see fit in Jesus name I pray everybody said amen so you can be seated alright two ways you can determine whether or not your faith is genuine two major ways and it really all deals with how you face trials so he goes the very first way when trials hit I will tighten my grip on the Lord Jesus so if my faith is genuine when trials hit I will tighten my grip on Jesus now where do we get that look at verses 2 and 3 he says consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces Endurance. Now a few little word studies here. You've got the word consider here. That means choose to be of the opinion. And then you also had the word joy. It means reason for gladness. So literally uh, James is saying choose to be a person of gladness. And then he gives us the uh, circumstances in which we should choose to be this way. He says whenever you encounter various trials. Now the word encounter there it means to fall into something. It's the exact same word used in Luke chapter 10 and verse 30 to describe the man who was leaving Jerusalem going down to Jericho when he check this out, he fell into the hands of robbers that's the same exact word, he encountered robbers, it's the same word James uses here in James chapter 1 verse 2 he says consider it all joy, choose to be a person of gladness whenever you fall into trials and isn't it true that's what we do, we fall into them, nobody's scheduling trials You're not breaking out your Google Calendar saying Friday at 3 I got a trial coming, can't wait Nobody does that But you fall into them Every single one of us do In fact James says whenever you fall into various trials It's an awesome Greek word too that means multicolored Or multifaceted It speaks of a wide variety of trials And you think about that right So if we had an opportunity this morning To let everybody stand up and describe a trial that they're facing uh, probably we would have as many trials represented as we do people Because we all just face various trials and we fall into them Now what's James getting at? Here's what he's saying He's saying no matter what trial you fall into uh, You need to choose to be glad all right? Now whenever I read this and even preach it I, I can hear what some of you are saying You're like what? Choose to be glad? What? Y'all down with that what right there? Why don't, why don't we try that? I'm going to tell you to be joyful in the trial. And you just respond and say, what? All right, y'all ready? I want you, church, Concord, to be joyful in the midst of your trials. <laughs> that was worth coming to church right there, wasn't it? What? That was a lot of fun. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, the question is, why would anybody in their right mind, righteous or unrighteous, consider to be joyful In the midst of trials well James underscores that in verse 3 he says knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance now again a few more word studies here that phrase knowing that it literally means to be familiar with something as a fact and then he says the testing that means to find out if something's legit or not and then he speaks of your faith and that's your trust in Jesus and he says it produces endurance that is it creates steadfastness Uh, It tightens your squeeze or your grip. So check it. Here's what James is saying. He's saying, choose to be glad whenever you fall into all sorts of trials because you are familiar with the fact that your trust in Jesus is being tested. And if it is legit, you will tighten your grip on Jesus. That is the first test of whether or not your faith is genuine. When you hit a trial, do you Tighten your grip on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ And really and truly as a follower of Jesus when we hit trials we should be like I know what's up here God who is sovereign is allowing this trial to come into my life Check this out so that I might tighten my grip on him and come to better understand who he is Now here's what's amazing about God. He has many characteristics he has a multifaceted nature and he wants to uh, show that to you, he wants you and I to know these things about him but listen many realities about God we will never know unless we face a trial y'all with me say yes, I'm gonna give you a test, All right, this is raise your hand test, if you've experienced this before uh, you slip your hand up, all right? So this is this is an opportunity for you to see that your trials are given by the sovereign hand of God, allowed by the Lord, so you can get to know who He is, all right? So if this has happened to you, you slip your hand up. I would not have known Jesus to be my provider had I not faced the trial of a need. Anybody in the house on that one? All right, very good, slip it down. Here's another one. I would not have known Jesus to be my healer had I not faced the trial of a disease, Anybody in here? Yeah, many people. Here goes another one. I would not have known Jesus to be my comfort had I not faced the trial of discomfort. Good did not. Probably all of us would slip it up there. And then here's another one. I would not have known Jesus to be my shepherd had I not faced the trial of being lost. Yeah? Isn't that true? And then it, let me say this one I would not have known Jesus to be my peace had I not faced the trial of my life of great chaos. Right, but there was chaos. But Jesus, so so you know what we're seeing here? We're seeing here that there are realities about God that we would never come to know or understand unless we had a trial. Y'all ain't out there, can I? Y'all with me out there? Now I want you to think about that, right? So this is now God by His sovereignty. He's saying to you, "I want to show you who I am, but for you to see this, you have to experience that." It's an amazing thought. And I would just kind of ask you, you know, what trial are you in right now? Are y'all eyeball to eyeball? What are you facing? And what is it that God is trying to reveal to you about himself in the midst of that difficulty? Whenever he does this, what is he doing? He's saying, hey, and I love James. He's like, consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And then verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, the word perfect and complete, it means mature and whole. So check this out. When you and I face a trial, if we are genuinely converted and we have a relationship with the Lord, as soon as the trial hits, we're going to reach up and tighten our grip on the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever we tighten our grip on Jesus, what we're going to find is that we grow in our knowledge of who He is. And then as a result of us growing in our knowledge of who He is, we begin to grow in our maturity as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why that statement that I wrote down many years ago uh, continues to come back to me. Those whom God uses greatly, He wounds deeply. The wounds that are allowed by God in your life and my life are opportunities for us to see who He is. And not only so that we might endure and become mature in our faith, but also so that He might be glorified. And then check this out. And so that other people looking in at our lives are going, "What? how in the world do you have such peace in the midst of that situation? It's because of Christ. I know him. I wonder if people look at you when you face a trial and immediately understand that you have something different about you. Something standing out. You're becoming mature and complete. And then the scripture says lacking in nothing. Now here's a thought. And I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball. Right? When, when Jesus, all right, I'm preaching this to all of us. Y'all with me say yeah. When Jesus is your everything, that's when you realize you lack nothing. You think about my man Paul the Apostle, okay? He's preaching the gospel of Jesus, and then what do they do? They throw him in prison. So now he's in jail, and it's like, you know, if I'm Paul, I'm like, Lord, I was doing what you told me to do here. I'm in jail. This ain't working out so good. But here he is in jail, penning the letter to the church at Philippi, and what does he say? He says the same thing we were just saying a minute ago. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. He was writing that, listen to this, not out of a sense of need. He was writing this as an individual who had so matured in his faith that even though he was in jail and had nothing, he had everything he needed in Christ. <laughs> y'all ain't listening to me preach. That's a good preaching, whether y'all like it or not, man. That's legit. All right, all right, Let, let's see if I can bring y'all back. Y'all seem like I'm going crazy. Y- y'all ever watched Karate Kid before? All right, I'm not talking about, you know, Will Smith Jr., all right? That's counterfeit Karate Kid. That ain't legit, all right? I'm talking about Daniel Sun, all right? I'm talking about Chopsticks and Flies. Y'all remember that? Let's see if y'all remember this far. Waxong. Chill. Y'all need to read your Bible sometimes, man. <laughs> y'all are quicker at that than that, but anyway. All right, so Mr. Miyagi, you know, he teaches uh, Danielson. And I'm going to say it like Miyagi does. All right, all right. He teaches Danielson how to do that awesome crane kick where he won the championship karate battle. Y'all remember the crane kick, right? I, I showed the first two services. Y'all want me to show y'all? I'm not actually going to kick. I'm just going to show you the pose so y'all chill out. All right? But it, yeah, I see some of y'all back there. I almost fell over right there. I'm getting tired. But you just do it up like that, right? Now, you, you think about my man Danielson, all right? He says, Danielson, go out there into the ocean, and you practice the post. So he goes out there, and you remember that scene. He's standing there, and that huge wave comes, and it knocks him flat down. He gets back up, and he gets in his balance. So the wave comes, it knocks him down again. But as the scene progresses, he grows a little stronger, a little stronger. Before you know it, the wave's coming, and he is standing strong. I thought about that as I was reading James. You and I, God wants us to grow in our faith, to be strong in the Lord. So he, listen... He will allow trials like waves to hit us, one after the other, one after the other. And there are times we fall back, but we reach up and grip the Lord Jesus Christ. We reach up and squeeze tightly to Him. And every single time, He is making us stronger and stronger and stronger in our faith. Listen, some of you this morning, you're under the water. But Jesus is like, grip me. I want to show you more of who I am. And if your faith is legit, if it is not counterfeit, but it is true 24 karat faith, when you hit a trial, you will squeeze tighter to Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? I mean, I don't... I mean to give you another illustration because I ain't got much time to preach here but it's pretty amazing every single time my children face a difficult circumstance or situation I carried Marley to kindergarten this week y'all with me Marley's the youngest the last one she's going to kindergarten so I'm walking down the hall with her and the closer we get to her class she's holding my hand and the closer we get to her she knows it's fixing to happen. up in the leave. y'all with me and so what does she do she squeezes my hand tighter and tighter y'all, y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying she's about to enter something in her life she's never entered before and what is she doing squeezing on to daddy we do the same thing with Jesus. When we hit a tight spot in our life, what do we do? We squeeze tighter to the Lord. I, I was taught this is all free information. Y'all with me? I'm gonna preach longer than I'm supposed to, but just look at it So I went out to eat with somebody yesterday, and they were talking about their kid going to kindergarten. Said, "Yeah, we prayed for him before we left." I was like, "Y'all prayed for him? Well, good for you. You showing me up, man. I didn't do that. I just reached down to Marley. I said, "Hey, Marley, if you got to go to the bathroom, raise your hand. That's all you need to know. All right? I'll see you this afternoon." Man, I rolled out. I did, man. Y'all all right with that? <laughs> Why do y'all make me say stuff like this? just trying to preach. All right, let me give you point number two. Here we go. Uh, when trials hit, uh, not only will I tighten my grip on Jesus, but when trials hit, I'll open my ears to Jesus. And I like this, verse 5, he says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now this word wisdom here speaks of practical knowledge applied. So this is really a know-how kind of knowledge. This is whenever you face a trial and you don't know what to do, the Bible says this, if you don't know what to do, ask God. So, so you know what James do? He said, pray, seek the Lord. So ask the Lord what to do. And here's what's awesome. Uh, the Lord's not lacking in wisdom whatsoever. He's got more uh, then you and I can fathom alright so he, he's not running short on that and that word lack is an accounting term uh, you've been to a store before and maybe you didn't have enough money to buy something right I took a guy out to eat for breakfast this past week and I was gonna pay for the meal and I went up and handed my check card and the lady looked at me and said oh we don't take cards here we don't take check cards and i my, all all the color just left me I ain't got no money so I had to look at this guy I invited to hang out with and say Hey, man, you got some money. <laughs> I, I know I was going to pay for this, but I lack. You with me? Now, same thing happens in my life when I lack wisdom. So I just don't know what to do. So I got to call out to the Lord. And then the Bible says that the Lord gives it generously, liberally. So he just ha- He wants you to ask. And then I love it because he says he doesn't uh, do it with reproach. That is, he doesn't get on to you whenever you pray. And you ask for wisdom. So, I, and I'm thankful for that. I don't call it to God and say, God, I, I'm not real sure what to do here. Could you tell me what to do in this situation? God doesn't say, again? I mean, you, you've been asking me for stuff all week long. Can, don't you see me trying to hold the world up? Why are you bothering me with your concerns? No, he doesn't do that. He, he is a loving father who wants to give you practical guidance on what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you should say, what you should not say. And so God is very quick to do that. And I love that reality about the Lord. And then we also see here there's a warning in the text. All right, so warning, all right, uh, ask the Lord. Let me, let me throw this out for free. I feel like I'm skipping stuff to speed up time. But y'all ain't going nowhere. God bless you. That's all waiting on that. All right, I just needed one, right? Come on. But anyway, so... Uh, the deal is, I went I went shopping at Sam's this week. So my wife, you know, she she typed me up a list. I don't go grocery shopping, y'all with me? I sure don't grocery shop at Sam's. Hey, you can't grocery shop at Sam's, by the way, with one buggy, y'all with me? Everything they sell in bulk. So here I've got this long list It's all digitized. Now I'm I don't know where anything is, man. I'm you know I'm asked the guy where the water is. He's like it ain't in the tire section. I'm, my bad, man. All right. But could you imagine this if I took the my whole list and I say, hey sir, you think you can help me find all this stuff right here? I don't know where to go. Uh, How about, do you know where this is? The Capri Suns and the oatmeal cream pies and the nutty bars and the gum. That's all stuff I was getting. But you know where all this stuff is? Uh, And then, could you imagine if I asked him all that and then just ran away? You'd say, that guy look at me and he'd be like, he's crazy. But that's what we do, Lord. Hey Lord, uh, here's my list. I need wisdom in this area, wisdom in this area, wisdom in this area. And then what do we do? After we go through the whole list, we just run. Listen, prayer not just you talking. Prayer is not only you calling out to God, but you've got to sit there and listen to what the Lord has to say. And I love that. You, if, hey, and that, you may have come to church for that. You're in a trial and you don't know what to do. Let me tell you what to do. Call out to the Lord and listen to what he tells you to do. And then when he tells you what to do, do it. if y'all was amen and cry, that would have been a good spot right there. When he tells you what to do, do it. Right? I mean, it's like, yeah, amen, man, that's right. Why, why are we making this so hard? But then there's this warning. Look at verse 6 here. Uh, he's got to ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So in other words, whenever you come to the Lord in prayer and ask him what you should do, you have to actually believe he's going to tell you what to do. So this is a, a prayer of faith. There's no doubting here. Uh, there's no um, going to the Lord when or not... Wondering whether or not he really cares about us. Uh, We don't go to the Lord with our opinions and and ask him his opinion. Now here's what I think I should do. What do you think I should do? I've asked other people what to do as well. Trying to weigh out all the pros and the cons. That's not a prayer of faith. Uh, We also don't go to the Lord thinking whatever he tells us is going to make us more miserable. It's not a prayer of faith. But we approach the throne of grace with confidence, the Bible says. Knowing that he hears our prayers and knows exactly what we need and is quick and speedy to give us what we need. And so whenever we pray, we go with boldness. And check this out. We don't go in with boldness because we got some kind of merit on our own. We approach the throne of grace with confidence because we have the merits of Christ applied to our life at the moment of salvation. So you go in not as you. You go in as the righteousness of Jesus. So you walk up in there and you say, Lord, I need this. I believe you're going to tell me what to do. You've got to pray in faith. Man, there's some boldness there. And then verse 7 and 8, morning continues. He says, the man ought not to expect that he's going to receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And the idea here, double-minded, it also could be translated as a double-souled. So it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to go this way or that way. I, I don't know what I should even think or feel. And I, I'm all back and forth. I'm wishy-washy on the whole subject. What should I do? With? Just talk to Jesus, man. Talk to the Lord. And sit there and wait on him to talk to you. And when he speaks a word to your heart, do you obey it? No. <laughs> y- y'all out there say yeah. And it's, here's the deal. If your faith's for real, that's what you'll do. But if your faith is not genuine, you ain't doing that. Hey, let me give you all, this is all free too. Y'all just look at me. I was trying to decide if I was going to share it. I'm going to. I asked the Lord, he said go. But uh, Charles um, Spurgeon made a statement one time. He said, never doubt in the dark what Jesus told you in the light. Now, th- the reason I tell you this is, I, you know, I'm trying to get as practical as I can. I'm getting more practical each sermon. But uh, every time in my life, I just need wisdom. So I sit down before the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I mean, what should I do? Where should I go? What should I say? And I sit there, and I wait for Him to tell me something. I'm studying Scripture. I'm listening to God speak through His Word. I'm listening to the leadership of the Spirit. And there are times the Lord tells me to do something pretty plainly. And there are times I even jot down what I feel like the Lord's really saying. But here's what I found out. Are y'all listening to say yeah? Oh, this is all free, man. Y'all 11 o'clock, y'all awesome. What happens is I get up out of that time of prayer, and then I get out here, and somebody say something to me, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, well, did the Lord really tell me to do that? Should I really go in that direction? Should I really make that move? And I've always loved that little statement from Spurgeon. Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. So if the Lord tells you something in the light, when you're spending time with him, you get up and you move, bro. Do what the Lord's called you to do. Be obedient. Now, come here. i got to close. i got to finish this thing. So uh, if you face a trial and your response isn't to grab hold of Jesus, you, ain't, you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. So if you face a trial and you're like, well, you know, I don't know what to do, and I, I mean, I've been in church all my life and all this kind of stuff, but I, you know, I, I don't really know what to do here. Listen, if, if if you're not calling out to the Lord when you face a trial, something has gone awry in your life, man. Something ain't right. That should be the automatic response of a genuine convert, gripping Jesus and then opening our ears. Lord, what do you want? And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13. He says it like this. He says, there are going to be some people who receive the word with joy. But then when persecution and trial come, they're going to disappear. So so what is Jesus saying? He's saying persecution and trials in the midst of a person's life will determine whether or not their faith is genuine or fake. And that's why, you know, I run into some people and I talk to them, try to share Jesus with them. Oh, I already tried that, man. I went to church, got baptized. But as soon as I did all that, all this stuff started happening in my life. Listen, they, they may have tried it, but they never trusted Him. And there's a massive difference between trying something and trusting someone. And so some of you are here today and you're under a trial right now. Waves are crashing, man. But you aren't calling out to Jesus. You're not reaching up to Him. You know why? Because you don't know Him. Because if you knew Him, that's what you'd do. The Spirit of God within you prompts you to grip Jesus. And then what's awesome too, whatever trial you're going in right now, or coming out of, it, it's all allowed by God. He's like, I'm trying to show you more who I am. So that when all this is over with, you're going to see me even more, love me even greater, and I can use you even more. So, so if you got dead level honest, and look at me eyeball to eyeball, right? Don't check out on me on this one if you got dead level honest and uh, your faith was like tested by the fire let's find out whether or not that that faith is real right the trials of fire come what's going going to be left baptism please man church membership are you kidding me that's what what you're hanging your hat on you're gonna be in a mess man or whenever the trial comes would it reveal that you have a genuine trust in Jesus that guy's for real she's for real they know the Lord if you can I say it to you like this and I'll just try to shoot you as straight as I can if you don't know for sure you you probably ought to get to know for sure And, and why in the world you'd wait I ain't got a clue about that man so don't listen to a message like this and be like you know I don't have a real relationship with the Lord Jesus but I've been in church I'm a little embarrassed about it who cares? don't nobody care I don't care how long you've been in church. You've been in church. All, you got gonna help found at this church. Y'all all right? But, but if you don't know Jesus, why are you going to be ashamed of that? Be like, I don't know him. I need to know him. I need to grab hold of Jesus. And here's the cool part about Jesus. Is, uh, he's reaching out with a nail-scarred hand. And the first thing you will genuinely learn about Jesus is that he will save you no matter what your background. That's the first thing. you will be like, he'll save anybody. That's what Paul said, isn't it? I was the lowest of the low, man. He saved me just to show he could save anybody. <laughs> so he'll save you up in here. He'll call you into a relationship. So don't, don't go out there into your car and get in the car and go, ah, should have responded. Should have made a decision. Maybe next week. You don't know if you got next week. All right? So I don't know why you're sitting on that thing trying to be like, I'll just wait a little while. That's That's ridiculous, man. So if you don't know the Lord, make that decision today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to hearts. And for those of us who know you, God, help us grow in every trial, seeing more of who you are, gripping you tightly, listening to wisdom from you. Grow us. Make us mature, and we'll give you glory. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Hey, if you're you're there and you're like, man, you're talking about all this.